0: Uh, hey, Harrison, I have a question for you. Yes? Uh, have you,
1: perchance, chance, uh, danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? I don't think that I have. I don't think that I have. Ian, I have a question back for you. Y- yeah, what's that? Soup's good? <laughs> what was that? Soup. Is it good? Yeah, I guess. Did you have a pass the salt? <laughs> yeah, one second. It's quite the walk across the table. I'll be over there in a few minutes.
2: scene ripped straight from citizen king if i do say so myself
0: oh obviously obviously i i would be surprised if that scene didn't have any kind of inspiration from that well anywho everybody thanks for joining us today on a new episode of the inciting moment podcast for those just tuning in my name is ian your host who else here is with me hi i'm sam i'm the codiment king
2: And it's nice to catch up with all of you.
1: Mm. And I'm Harrison, future usurper of the host, unbeknownst Ian. (laughs) Is that right? Yeah, Yeah. we have
2: lore now, motherfucker.
1: Oh,
0: (laughs) sounds a little unhinged. Almost as unhinged as Ezra Miller as of late. (laughs) But more on that in just a second. That's that's just a little tidbit of one of the... uh, conversations we're going to be having today. Uh, the first one, one that uh, is quite topical, given that uh, a recent film by the name of The Batman, one that I gave my thoughts on in a previous episode, um, it's making gangbusters. Uh, it just was released on HBO Max, and many people are, of course, anticipating its home video release on such formats as Blu-ray and 4K Ultra HD. And it does bring to mind that uh, DC has been on a roller coaster as of recent in terms of quality and also in terms of what they actually want out of their movies. And it does beg the question, how do we even describe just the absolute state of the DCEU, considering just
1: how scattershot it is? it's very easy and so you know when you film a movie and or when you film anything i have the option of like changing the brightness Uh uh-huh you just bump the brightness to be about 90 percent lower and that's that's dc basically
2: (laughs) it's like they saw the old 90s marvel movies and they're like hey
1: we just need that that's it that's dc no like even in the even in the old Batman movies, it's still really, really, really dark. Yeah. Not dark tonally, but just physically dark. hmm <laughs> I think that there might be it might have been a miscommunication about Batman needing dark stories, and they just made I mean, everything. I, I, I don't dark. know,
0: man. Aquaman was was like a bag of
1: skittles with how colorful it was. <laughs> they they had all the extra colors from filming Batman. Yeah, oh, that's true. They, they had some
2: le- <laughs> leftover color.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, they, they they took all of the reserved color that they just seeped out of the
1: image and threw it into Aquaman. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like what Disney used to do with Technicolor. Yeah. Ah, oh, that's true. That's true. It's
2: technically colorful. Technically
0: co- <laughs> Oh, that brings new meaning to Technicolor. <laughs> well, it's interesting because obviously the DCEU began as like a shared universe very similar to Marvel uh, but that turned into a train wreck and so while it's still technically shared? question mark, They're being a little more standalone with their movies which gets even more crazy because some of the movies whether that be Joker or
1: the Batman they aren't even in the DCEU <laughs> They're all independent reboots. Mm -hmm. So you don't know which one is canon when you're watching a movie, which means there can't be any plot holes. Yeah, which gets
0: even more confusing because, like, we have newer movies that are on the docket to come out later, and it's confirmed that, oh, yeah, in this movie, Ben Affleck's showing up. Oh, yeah, in this one, we're trying to incorporate uh, DCEU Henry Cavill Superman. It's just... Which Batman is the real Batman? Hold on a second.
2: Oh, <laughs> no, actually, yeah. they won't become an alcoholic.
0: <laughs> oh, God. Uh. Well, well, here's the other thing. Alcoholism is starting to become a bit of a, a, a theme with some of the DCEU actors, because uh, Ezra Miller has some stuff that we'll, of course, get into once we get to the tail end of this little discussion. Um. But, uh Oh, Lord. <laughs> Dear Lord, it's becoming a bit of a trend. It's kind of (laughs) sad because I I mean, hey, I'm still down if they want to like, I I guess salvage the DCEU. And it sounds like they still are, which I'm glad it's just it's getting a little out of hand when they're making a bunch of side movies that aren't connected to the DCEU.
1: No, no, Ian, Ian, you're looking at it the wrong way. Their way of salvaging it is heading to kill off the current EU while s- simultaneously rebooting the EU at the oh. same time with separate movies that are in a separate continuity. I mean,
2: let's be honest here. I mean, they, they started late and they started poor.
0: Uh, yeah, that's true.
2: They, they they got such an awful start and it really hasn't really been that much of an uphill.
1: Yeah, and they kind of did just try to start with the DC equivalent of the Avengers without introducing any of the characters prior to it. Yeah. Well, first and foremost,
0: I I think the thing that potentially we can somewhat agree on is while, yes, a lot of the blame can be on Warner Brothers themselves because they just did not know what they wanted, I'm going to be real, I also think some of that goes on Zack Snyder, too. Or at least Warner Brothers for letting Zack Snyder write these movies? Because I've said before, Great Visionary has a very, like, uh, imaginative, like, visual presentation to his films. But he's not that great of a storyteller. And it shows in these movies because so many of these characters just don't have much foundation as characters... And you're just supposed to go, oh, well, I guess I just have to go off of the comics in order to, like, actually get behind them as as people and stuff like that, which is so lazy,
1: because the MCU didn't do that. They established them as people. Ian, you're telling me that you're not a fan of post-apocalyptic Orange Sepia World Joker? Not really. I I am not. I I don't think anyone really is. I mean... (laughs) He's I mean, starting. He's my second least favorite joker. I mean, the thing is that
2: they 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 tried rushing it. And it's very hard to do when you're trying to build up, I mean, this this huge cinematic universe to rival Marvel. I mean, they they went straight to the Justice League way too quickly. I mean, uh-huh. there was at least 3 or 4 movies before the Avengers.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I mean you know, the the whole shared universe thing with the DCEU, it's been talked to death of like, oh, it's mismanaged, it's all this and that, this and this. So I guess the question comes down to what do we feel they should do going forward? Because it seems like their best movies, oddly enough, uh, so far in Joker and the Batman, are the ones that aren't even connected to the rest of the universe. They're standalone. And... I think that's an interesting return to form to a lot of the superhero movies that were coming out in the 90s and 2000s where they were more self-contained and therefore more focused on just being their own cinematic experience. And I think, in a way, that might actually be a good step in the right direction.
1: Maybe just, just a little bit in the right way. All we need, I know how to fix it. We just take our current Batman... Mm -hmm. Take our current Joker and Jason Momoa Aquaman and just bail the rest.
2: Yeah, that might be a good point. Just bail on what doesn't work. Cut it out.
1: Yeah. Was Aquaman a good movie? No. Did I like Jason Momoa as Aquaman? Yes. Yeah.
0: Well, it's it's funny, too, because, like, Aquaman technically is supposed to be part of a shared universe and stuff like that, right? But what I kind of like about it is that it feels like its own movie at the same time. Like, Cause for example, Shazam, Aquaman, shared universe, still connected and stuff like that. But what's interesting is that both of them feel so different as movies that... Yeah you know they they feel like their own experience and frankly i think that's what miss that's what's missing nowadays because the one thing i will always criticize the mcu for is the fact that every movie even though it's done by different people and different directors and and different you know crew members they all feel the same
1: yeah mm-hmm. and like how you kind of have to watch the previous one because they'll make references to the previous one exactly And it will jump characters, but time will still be in one continuous flow. I I don't know. That's one thing I dislike with the shared universes in general, like even DC or Marvel, is I don't want to watch four movies for characters I don't know anything about, Mm -hmm. know what's going on in the plotline for a character I like. Right, right. And what's kind
0: of neat about the DC films is that they're more self-contained, when they're more self-contained, it implores them to be more of an actual movie, you <laughs> exactly. know, its own singular experience, kind of like, for example, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, the Christian Bale Batman movies, all these other films back in the day that, you know, maybe not all of them... Were great. I, I know some people are very split on whether the 2003 Ang Lee helmed Hulk is actually a good movie or not, but that's its own thing. It feels so unique compared to something like X Men or Spider Man or anything else that was coming out at the time. You know? Yeah. And I I, I kind of like that. How Joker is very much its own thing, and it is. <clears throat> in many ways, very different from, say, the Batman. And these are two characters that are supposed to take place in the same comic story and stuff like that, but they're their own thing. And I guess that does beg the question, ultimately, should DC be more standalone and not really worry about crossovers? Or is there maybe like a middle ground that they can get?
2: I, I think that is the best case. They should just do their own standalone things and see what works first. And then bring it together.
1: I think one of the things that they should do. Because they're good at this. Is. The movies are more standalone. But borrow characters. From other movies that make short appearances. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they've done this. And they do this. And it kind of works. You know? Like having an end credit thing. Where one of the characters is like. Alright let me get in touch with Batman real quick. Kind of works. Yeah. You know, there aren't
0: scenes littered in the Batman that are trying to... Okay, well, one, but I won't spoil that. Mm -hmm. Um, That are, like, trying to set up three or four other movies and stuff like that. You don't have Batman having a nightmare sequence trying to set up, you know, the invasion of Doomsday or something like that. Because it just completely detracts from the fact that the Batman is about him... Deciphering whether he needs to be a symbol of fear or a symbol of justice throughout the movie, you know Dark side, where in the hell does he fit into that? You know worry about Dark side later on, you know,
1: have the movie be its own thing, Ian, you don't understand the perfect time to set up the intergalactic eight movie later threat is during the low stakes, me versus my city movie. <laughs>
0: Obviously. Mm-hmm. Well, I I guess that does bring into one thing, though, because shared universes, they, they have their downsides, and in the case of the MCU, it just makes every film feel the same. But that does beg the question, do we still want to, you know, for example, see Batman cross over with Superman and eventually, like, piece by piece form the Justice League? Because I'm not going to lie... I am for more standalone films, but I also kind of want to see them on the same screen together, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. for For good reasons, obviously, with actual setup and reason as to why they're crossing over. To me, and maybe you guys might differ, I I think what would be great is if they go with every future film with more of a standalone mentality. Mm Mm-hmm. And only after they find out which ones work, do they then, you know, set up a film where they inch closer and closer to, say, another Justice League film. Like, for example, one of the movies that are rumored to be coming out is a DC uh, Trinity movie, which, for those who aren't familiar with what that term actually means, it means a movie where the three main characters are Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Frankly, I think we should have had that movie before we even had Justice League. Cause I mean, they're, yeah. they're, those are the top three big heroes from that whole universe. And giving them their own standalone thing that doesn 't have like three or four scenes going like, "Oh, we have to set up the uh, the, the anti monitor and dark side mm-hmm. and oh, this thing and that and oh the the the, the red suns and oh, zod also is going to be invading later on in another movie nah man, have a just well written movie first that has like a lot of thematic stuff to it that actually you know tells a long lasting story. And then worry about that. Go back to early MCU, where when you watch Iron Man, you don't get a single hint that, oh, hey, Iron Man, he's going to be fighting Thor later on and stuff like that, and they're going to be teaming up and all that. That didn't happen until all those movies came out and they realized, oh, this is actually going pretty well. Maybe we could do an Avengers question mark? The classic Marvel sequel setup post-credit scene but only give hints that there's going to be a crossover after, like, the fourth or fifth standalone movie. Don't keep riddling hints and, like, have entire scenes about, oh, the, the, the big cataclysm's going to happen. No. Push that aside. Wait <clears throat> later.
2: Make each movie good in their own
0: right. Yes. Take some cues from the 2000s and 90s and just tell self-contained stories. But maybe... Minus the 2000s and 90s edge that was all over the place and stuff like that. But basically, don't make Daredevil. The, the Ben Affleck Daredevil, which was interesting. Uh, two superheroes in a row where movies just don't land all that well. Kind of sad. Mm-hmm. But hey, there's also another thing I wanted to talk about very briefly about things that we would like to happen. We have quite a few memories when it comes to, uh, say, video games that we grew up with and perhaps even to this day still play. It had me wondering of all the times that, much like, say, movies that never got sequels that uh, they desperately deserved, um, the same could be said for quite a few games. And I have to ask you guys something. Do you happen to have any particular games that uh, were so criminally underrated or for some reason they had some behind-the-scenes drama or some studio meddling that led to a sequel never happening? Or, frankly, just some games that you think, hey, this needs something. Change Dogma.
2: Uh,
0: Yes.
1: Dogma got got butchered Mm -hmm. because they had a Japan-only MMO had Mm -hmm. Uh the worst anime adaptation and then they got Mm scrapped. oh i Uh, didn't even realize there was an anime adaptation (laughs) don't look it up ian oh for your own sake do not look it up it's
0: the big sad is it worse than that uh that 2017 berserk anime worse it's done in the same style ian Oh, no! No! God! Why do anime studios keep going with that god-awful style? Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Because they want to put Pixar moms in their anime. (laughs) But they don't even look as good. (laughs) Because they're not putting Pixar moms in. They're just trying to copy it, but keep it like Mm -hmm. it looks like a PlayStation 2 cutscene. Yeah, Dragon's Dogma, it's just too good of a
0: concept too and it's just sad that like that mmo especially was only japan because i'm not gonna lie they put that on ps4 and stuff like that or even ps5 and stuff that that would be great yeah honestly i'd play that online i really would It it, it's almost a game that i'm surprised didn't have multiplayer functions when it first came out you know Mm -hmm. yep
1: oh that'd be great it really really would all right, I I have one small game uh-huh. that is never got a sequel, and I don't think it ever will. Where it was, there was a game on the Game Boy Advance. It also came out on the DS back in 2006 called Scourge Hive. Scourge Hive was like, it was like an it was an isometric action or shooter game that was like Metroid meets Dead Space neat that sounds really cool actually (laughs) Mm -hmm. basically you arrive on an alien planet trying to wipe out something called the scourge you immediately get infected upon arrival of course and you have a suit that tries to resist it but it doesn't make you immune so all of the save points reset the contamination that you have but um Basically, if your meter hits full, your health rapidly degenerates, and you can just die. It is, it is a hard game, but mm-hmm. a fun game. And I only ever found out about it because of me buying random in-the-box Game Boy games at a Goodwill. <laughs> which includes my pride and joy to this day. A, uh, God damn. A factory-wrapped and still-sealed copy of Shrek Smash and Crash Racing. (laughs) No! I can can see you're a collector.
0: Mm. Picking up all kinds of gems and preserving them, as you do.
1: Exactly,
0: exactly. Now see, I'm a connoisseur, too. On the PS2, I try to buy all the football games. Because, you know, uh, of all games, those need to be preserved. (laughs) The, yeah. The, the ones where there's like 20 of them on the same game racket like a GameStop or Disc Replay.
1: <laughs> yeah. God, it's always so I, depressing seeing that. I go into Disc Replay and I don't even replay the discs. <laughs> Nobody wants to
0: replay that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I actually have two that I would really like to see or at the very least get like a a uh, a reboot of sorts because they're just asking for it. For one thing, and I think, Sam, you might be able to agree with me on this, <laughs> I would absolutely love a Sonic Adventure 3. That would be very nice. That would. Or at least a game that returns to that formula, because I'm not gonna lie, that that just style of gameplay and everything, There, there's a reason why like most of the Sonic games after that use that as the foundation. And for as bad as it is, at least Sonic 06 also stuck to that too, you know?
2: Yeah. I mean, it, it should have one, but in terms of another game I think needs a sequel, it would be Mega Man Legends. We need a Mega Man Legends sequel. Oh, Mega, Mega Man Rapper? Legends!
0: <laughs> yes! Uh, especially after that really depressing just story about how we almost got a Legends 3. Granted, it was on the 3DS, so that kind of limits it. But it was still something. It was a crowdfunded thing that Capcom was accepting donations from fans and stuff like that to make. And they were in development for it. But then all of a sudden they just dropped it. And of all things they did, they blamed it on the fans. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) The people who donated and crowdfunded the project to begin with. God. So, so depressing. Especially because Legends, if I'm not mistaken, it's still not concluded as a story. So depressing. Yeah. Uh, the other one for me, uh, believe it or not, is actually a From Software uh, hidden gem that actually, Sammy Boy, you were telling me you were playing recently. That, of course, is the Armored Core franchise. Dear Lord, it is kind of depressing how middling the selection of mecha combat games are nowadays. Mm-hmm. And. God, for the longest time, Armored Core was like the king of it. Yeah. Now, granted, the, the barrier to entry was very high because of how difficult they were, but mm-hmm. much like any of the Souls games, I'm not kidding when I say that it, it is well worth the time and energy. For the most part, some of the games are a little bullshit with their difficulty, but oh, I would love a new one of that.
1: No I way, really Yeah. Am. I know what we need a sequel to. Hmm. Mega Man Battle Network. <laughs> that would be sweet.
0: <laughs> you know, I remember playing it a couple times and thinking that's okay. Moving on. <laughs> but hey, I, I mean, I remember th- those games having quite a few, um, quite a few fans. It would be neat mm-hmm. to see a return to form with that. Plus, I mean, if, if uh, you know, Sonic Mania has meant anything, it's that there's still a market for those old classic 2D-styled games and stuff like that. Obviously, Battle <laughs> Network is very clearly different from, say, Sonic, but, I mean, still of that era, you know? Yeah. Or style and all that.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know. Plus, I-, I mean...
0: You know, you make it a budget title, too. It, sprites aren't exactly that difficult to program for, as you know. No, not
1: really. I, I just want I just want some nice turn-based games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That aren't Persona.
0: Because, hey, Persona, it's good, but it can't be the only thing that does that.
2: Persona's a game you either love it or avoid it.
1: Yeah. On the bright side for Persona, at least it has some great rain music. Yes,
0: Mm-hmm. Well, also, uh, there's a little caveat with like the whole thing of what you do with a Persona. You either love it, you either avoid it, or you avoid it, but at least listen to the soundtrack. Because <laughs> yep. that's a bop. That is quite the bop. Mm-hmm. I will give it that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if I had to say which one of any of them I would like the most, I really would like a Return to the Adventure games. From, uh, Sonic, because those, for the most part, hold up. You know, They're a little wonky in areas, but when it comes to the core gameplay, it, it's still a lot of fun going back oh, to them.
1: They're mm-hmm. great. But, Ian, Ian, mm-hmm. have you seen, speaking of the Sonic Adventure game, have you uh, seen the mm-hmm. new Sonic movie by chance?
0: Uh, Sonic 2? I'm going to very soon
1: on Monday. To not spoil anything for you, Ian, I'm Uh fairly certain that they're setting up for a sequel that will just be the plot of Sonic Adventure 2. You think so? I'm like 100% certain. I think
0: I know what that means, and that means we're going to be getting an appearance from another hedgehog, if you know what I'm saying. (laughs) Cold Steel. Hell
1: yeah. Cold Steel the Hedgehog! Hell yeah! The greatest
0: Sonic character of
1: all (laughs) time. I need another Sonic Adventure game, so that way Sega can force me to play Big Bass Fishing. Oh, of
2: course. <laughs> it's a perfect game.
1: Naturally. We we can get a new
0: fishing pole peripheral for the PlayStation 5. Yes! And <laughs> hey, they
1: could just reuse the programming um, from, uh, what was it? The Final Fantasy fishing game.
0: <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs>
1: oh oh that'd yes, be great.
0: You know, I I'm not gonna lie. As a small tangent, I miss those like video game uh peripheral add-ons where it's like, oh hey, you want to make the Wiimote a a a uh, a steering wheel? Hey, slap on a steering wheel. Oh hey, you want to play a fishing game but do it for real? Hey, here's a literal fishing pole controller and stuff like that. That that stuff was always neat. Were they sometimes but- overpriced? Yes, but
1: hey. They're pretty cool, actually. No, you made me think of the one that we actually need a sequel to. Speaking of mm. weird peripherals, Donkey Kong, uh, what is it? Donkey Kong Jungle Jam, I believe it's the name. Oh,
0: Jungle Beat, yeah. Jungle the Beat. Bongo That's
1: controller. controller. Oh, oh God. I need the bongos on the Switch.
0: Well, you of course know Nintendo won't manufacture that. They're just gonna come out with a Nintendo Labo add-on, and it, it's gonna break after like two days of use.
1: If I have to buy Labo to get the bongos, I will, because I used <laughs> to try to play like Star Fox with the Donkey Kong bongos. Oh, that'd be great. It oh, that'd hell. be
0: great. You double tap one of the bongos to like do a barrel roll? Oh, that'd be great.
1: Oh, no, it doesn't work at all when you try to, because <laughs> fun thing about Donkey Kong Jungle Beat, uh, the bongos are not tied to left and right on the stick. Oh, they're not? No, they are not. I'm fairly certain they're tied to either the uh, triggers or the XY buttons on the GameCube controller. Oh, neat. <laughs> they're either trigger, XY, or AB. I don't remember which
0: it was. Oh, God. And that game, it, it didn't have like traditional controller support, even if you wanted to, right?
1: Uh, The bongos had a little D-pad on them but you can oh, okay. only use the bongos to play the game because of how weird the controls were. Because I think if you tried to use a regular controller, it was like double-tap A to move right, double-tap B to move left or something like that. Oh, mm-hmm. God. Okay. I, I have to want press that on the Switch the now. I really go. do.
0: <laughs> Good God. God, that'd be great. That'd be great. <laughs> oh, man. Screw Sonic Adventure 3. We need another Jungle Beat. God damn it. <laughs>
2: Look, there's gods among men, but hey, for every sequel to happen, there must be an original. And speaking of originals, let's talk about the OG Batman movie from 1989. Yes,
0: the movie that, for all intents and purposes, kind of started it all. (laughs) Mm -hmm. For better and for worse. Yeah, that's true. I say mainly for the better, because Mm -hmm. a lot of the annoyances of superhero movies... Really didn't come about until the shared universe idea came up. But, I mean, to each their own. But yes, Uh watching The Batman recently had me inspired to revisit the very original theatrical film outing of the Caped Crusader all the way back from 1989. Interesting results with revisiting that. But the film, believe it or not, is not an origin story for batman instead it is roughly into his career when he's well established and stuff like that but obviously not far enough because the city still doesn't know what to make of him so maybe not that far but i don't know it's hard to gauge anyway so after a bit of a uh, a run-in at a factory known as ace chemicals A gangster known as Jack Napier has a run-in with Batman and in the scuffle falls into a vat of uh, liquid chemicals and after coming on out is visibly disfigured and uh, has bleach-white skin and also came down with a slight case of psychosis. And after looking like quite a, uh, a, a clown himself takes on the mantle of the joker and it's up to batman to stop his uh psychotic antics throughout the city and take him into justice while also getting to the bottom of who he is and what he potentially means for his past now fellas how's about we go into general thoughts what did we think of tim burton's batman so
2: overall incredibly solid I can really see, see how this started at all. I guess in a way, it, I think it, it it does a good job in capturing comical elements of well, you know, it being from a comic, while being more grounded and dark in its own way. Actors are actors are very good. They, 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 hell, hell even the city itself is an actor in a way, and it 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 did a really good portrayal of Gotham that oh, I really haven't seen since. It, it does Gotham in the comic style. They got a lot of map paintings in there that look very gothic. And it's it's unique in its own way. And Overall, very, very solid start. How
1: about you, Harrison? I would just say it was alright. Not my favorite movie by far, mm-hmm. but it was okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, overall, I've, I liked it a lot. I did.
0: I thought it was uh, pretty good. But I think... I say pretty good with an asterisk because I think it's pretty good for the time. Because around the time that uh, the movie came out, Batman was returning to his more darker roots from when he first appeared in comics. You know, he, he was coming back into prominence and all that. And I mean, hey, comics in general were coming back into prominence. Uh, with more serious storytelling, not always dark and brooding storytelling. Let's make that very clear. but in the case of Batman, interesting return to form and for a while ever since that happened, uh, people were starting to think, oh man we we should maybe like capitalize on this like huge boom and stuff like that and make a movie. And for 1989 standards when it comes to superhero movies, which at the time almost non-existent when it came to like, the standard of those movies, kind of impressive, but I don't think all of it holds up. And I say I don't think all of it holds up because I think one of the weaker parts is just the main story. The, the cast is amazing and oftentimes makes up for the sort of lacking story. I mean, the, the production design, the costumes, especially on Batman... That may not be a very comic-accurate Batman suit, but dear lord, it is fantastic, and I actually think, next to The Batman, possibly my favorite on-screen Batman costume? It looks a little rubbery in areas, but I mean, that's kind of the point and stuff like that, and if I had to say which one I prefer more than it, I kind of prefer the updated version in uh, this movie's sequel, Batman Returns, uh, because for one thing, uh, the, the Batman logo is updated, so it doesn't look like it has a pair of, uh, bat gonads, which was a little distracting looking at the logo.
1: <laughs> yeah. Essential.
0: Yeah, which I thought was a little strange because the posters and everything didn't have the bat gonads, but his suit does, which was a little weird, but okay. But of course I can go into the nitty gritty as we go along as to some of the things that I don't quite think hold up. But Mm -hmm. I think where we should probably start is, what do we think of our two, like, you know, main characters, uh, Batman and the Joker? Because, I mean, these were the two first really big uh, movie portrayals of these characters, and in many ways kind of set the standard going forward. And I'm just curious, uh, how do you guys think that they're, takes on them hold up over the years
1: um i would i'm trying to think of the best way to put it i personally have never been a big batman fan mm-hmm. okay personally really haven't i have seen a lot of the batman stuff i know the whole plot that they tend to do for him but i mean he does good as the joker i will say that
0: mm-hmm. oh of and course i mean
1: it's 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 goddamn jack nicholson it's dark it still keeps the whimsy of the joker to it as well i'd say the way he does the joker is very reminiscent of like the arkham asylum game where it just has this goofiness to it the whole time but you can still kind of tell that he's up to no good Mm -hmm. but something something about uh the michael keaton batman just doesn't sit right with me it is kind of
2: dreamlike kafka almost right it's... a little bit.
1: I don't know why he doesn't sit. Oh, it just dawned on me. Why? hmm He's like a weird backwards Clark Kent. You think so? Yeah, cuz oh, it's I know why I'm thinking it. It's the stupid glasses. Mm. Oh, it's the, the glasses. glasses. Okay. <laughs> cuz he's going around with glasses on and then whatever he fights are just gone. Oh. Mm. <laughs> I don't no. actually remember him wearing glasses all that much, to be honest. In the movie. Whenever he's, like, just oh, chilling no, no. at home, he has the glasses on. You know, Harrison's got a point. Yeah, he's...
2: I mean, I guess that is kind of the point, though. He's kind of he's supposed to be like this Clark Kent. You know, he's got two personalities. One is the Batman. One is the Bruce Wayne. I, I think the best way to consider it is I, I feel like this movie, you know, walked so the others could run. I think it really did set up everything as good as you could. For you know, one of the first major on-screen adaptations of the Batman in this new direction of being a little bit darker, a little bit of this. You know, I think they rocked it. uh, I, uh is the Batman the best ever? Eh, no, I wouldn't say that. You know, I, I think Michael Keaton did he did very good. I kind of like how it's almost like a lighter version of Batman. Well, he's he still got that pe- baggage, mm-hmm. and the, he he does portray the balance pretty darn well. There's not a lot of it in this movie, as much as there are in other ones. And I think it's a more grounded and more uh, uh, a human portrayal of it than, let's say, Christian Bale's, where it's, or you know, uh, any of the newer ones, where it's mostly just dark. This is just just Batman. It's just, just Batman. So I think they did that. Uh, uh, the guy who plays Alpha Pennyworth is Chef's Kiss.
0: yeah he's my favorite alfred actually
2: (laughs) and jack nicholson just takes the cake as the joker is he a little bit over the too over the top sometimes perhaps but i like how he's a little bit different than the others he's a little more of an artist Mm a self-proclaimed artist but i kind of like that angle to him a little bit more
0: yeah he i guess because it's interesting you bring that up because um i was trying for the life of me to just figure out okay What is the end goal of the Joker? And I know in many interpretations he doesn't necessarily have an end goal because he's crazy. There's not much reason behind why he just mercilessly kills people and subjects them to like horrific, you know, experiences and stuff like that. But in like, say, The Dark Knight or even the newest Joker and stuff like that, he at least has something that he's trying to accomplish. Whether or not that's part of, like, a bigger idea or bigger plan and stuff like that, you know, it's never quite in stone. Because, again, that's the point. He's just a instrument of chaos. Or, in this case, a artist of chaos, you know, and stuff like that. It just, a lot of the time, felt like he was simply doing things for the sake of just doing it. And you Mm -hmm. could argue, well, I mean, that's still the Joker. He just kind of does things for the sake of doing it. But there was no through line with the story. It's just, oh, Batman's trying to stop the Joker. And normally with some of the other films that I think where they sort of built off of this movie was they had that through line. Mm -hmm. And I think that is where, for me, uh, this movie sort of lacks in the story department. You know, And, And also... I'd like your thoughts on this, fellas. Uh, this movie obviously wouldn't necessarily be one hundred percent comic accurate because, for one thing, uh, Batman does kill people. I was going to mention that.
1: Oh it- no no no! Bat Batman doesn't kill the man. Gravity kills them. Yeah, okay, yeah, oh, no, it's, it's got Gravity's
0: the murderer. Okay, got you. Well, accomplices. It should be pointed out, because yes, he, he, he kills people in this movie. He is responsible for actual death, and I think for a lot of people, especially at the time, probably had something to say about it. But I mean, that's also where the creative license comes in, uh, in the case of uh, Tim Burton and stuff like that. Because, while well, yes... He kills people, I think, where for me things sort of differ, especially looking back. He's not a bloodthirsty murderer like he is in Batman vs. Superman.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Mm -hmm. wait, actually, Ian, I remembered a scene in this movie when Mm -hmm. he just drives into a chemical plant, drops a grenade, and then drives away. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. He's not, like,
0: stabbing people in the heart or branding them or, like choking them to death no he just drives up drops a bomb and then bam there you go you don't even see them get lit on fire or anything like that you know it's just quick just like that it's not graphic and i guess that's where i didn't have too much of a problem because he doesn't kill everyone there's actually quite a few times where he actually saves criminals from falling to their deaths and stuff like mm-hmm. that And in fact, at one point he was actually saving the Joker before he fell into the chemicals and stuff like that. Obviously, he didn't fully save him, but he still Mm -hmm. made an effort.
1: Yeah, but then in the later half of the movie he just stands there and watches people fall to their death, like at three different Yeah. Like, rooftop fight scene, very end of the movie, guy jumps out of the shadows, hits a bad foreboard's Comments his death, and Batman just stands there. Then the next guy. <laughs> that jumps was actually
0: kind of goofy. <laughs> I thought that was funny. No, but I mean, uh, Sam, what what did you kind of think of the whole murdering criminals sort of part?
2: It was. I mean, it was pretty jarring at first because you know, at first he seems like he wanted to save everyone, but I don't think it was too fronted. To, like you said, it wasn't too graphic or anything. Like we didn't see him get smushed even when Joker fought. Spoilers. When Joker falls at the end and lands on the pavement, it's like he's, you know, turned into a multicolored applesauce. No. <laughs> so that's something, at least. But no, I didn't. I don't think it was too bad, honestly. It was, it was yeah, weird. Yeah, because, I
0: mean, going from the comics, I mean, Batman yeah. had his brutal moments, even when he wasn't killing people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with this, it, it's, it's actually kind of tame when it comes to, like. Having people die, <laughs> you know, because, mm-hmm. again, there there is a big difference between either allowing criminals to die or, you know, killing them off in not so graphic ways. And, you know, in Batman versus Superman, where he's like using the Batmobile to use shipping crates as wrecking balls and just crushing them and causing blood to splurt all over the place. Mm hmm. You know, that's that's graphic, you know? That's yeah. actually <laughs> violent and stuff like that. And this Batman, he punches bad guys and all that, but he's not violent. He's very just quick and succinct with a lot of his dispatching of criminals. Great, he doesn't use missile launchers and them and shit. And also, he, he, he doesn't use guns. He still sticks by the fact that guns are, you know, a, a no-no and all that, so I didn't have a problem with that either, but I don't know, like, Sam, you also mentioned, uh, like, whimsy with the Joker, and I actually thought that the whole whimsy sort of carried over into the tone of the movie in general, because it's not so much dark and gritty, like, say, some of the more modern ones, it's more gothic, and much like you were saying, whimsical, you know, there's, like, this... I want to almost say majesty, not only to Gotham, but also Batman himself, because people are convinced he is an actual creature of the night. Mm -hmm. You know, it's only until, you know, a couple of them shoot them, I mean, shoot him, and think that he's dead, that they're like, oh, he's just a guy in a suit. I I think that is what sort of sets this Batman apart from the others, even to this day. In a way, I actually think, tonality-wise, it's pretty on point with the comics, for the most part. So, tonality-wise, you know, this could be a little more comic-accurate, but when it comes to, like, the individual characters and stuff like that, yeah. um, you know, maybe not so much. Uh, there was one other talking point that I wanted to just sort of bring up, what also sort of adds to the atmosphere and just that gothic uh, approach that they have to the movie... Um, I was noticing the soundtrack a lot more with this movie uh, and that was of course done by the ever legendary Danny Elfman and I have to ask what did you guys think of the soundtrack overall I think it really show, it does show the
2: whimsicalness uh, at the very end it's a very triumphant kind of theme with a hint of like, this gothic nature to it mm-hmm. and uh, I, I do dig it I think it works for this film obviously I don't think it would work with any other version of Batman oh probably not <laughs> So for, in this movie specific, I think it works very well.
0: A lot of uh, harps and stuff like that. Like, very soft string instruments used. And I, I think kind of has this almost dreamlike aspect to, uh, to the whole movie. Which, I mean, is almost like in tandem with Tim Burton's usual, like, stylistic approach to most of his movies. They have like a dreamlike aspect to them. And I think in a way that almost benefits this take on Batman cuz that is a stylistic thing that works for the character in my honest opinion and stuff like that. Mhm. Now I I do kind of have to ask because there's two plot holes that have kind of been discussed with this movie uh that many people debate even to this day. Uh one of the first plot holes is how Alfred just lets uh what's-her-face, Vicky Vale, into the Batcave. <laughs> I wasn't too sure how to feel about that, because by that point, I feel like she would have picked up on the fact that Bruce is Batman, but... When it comes to that plot point,
1: did did you guys have any, like, thoughts on that? No, the thing with it, too, that I find the funniest, is just Alfred's, like, casualness to the whole thing. He's like, yep, here you go, welcome to the... Bat Cave he's just so desensitized to it,
2: <laughs> yeah
1: i mean i don't blame I don't blame Alfred. Imagine mm-hmm. watching over the sole survivor of your best friend's family for them to just start dressing up in latex that night and going out <laughs> into the streets.
0: I would say it's more rubber than latex, but
1: <laughs> it gets to latex ian it turns <laughs> latex into, like two or three movies <laughs>
0: okay <laughs> whatever you say pal i don't know i sort of split down the middle with that whole plot point because yeah i feel like at this point she would have figured out and maybe she walked up to alfred and said yeah hey alfred i know bruce is batman maybe that's why she let her in yeah maybe and there was just like a I don't know, an off-screen discussion, but I think, yeah, there maybe should have been something on screen. Yeah. Because it just leaves a little too much open to just decipher, okay, well, is Alfred just being very irresponsible and just doesn't give two shits? Because if that's the case, I somewhat don't blame him, because Alfred is underappreciated in these movies. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I mentioned earlier that I saw Batman Returns, and in that one, obviously, it's Christmas time. And there were certain scenes where, like, Bruce is watching TV, watching the Penguin talk about what he wants to do. And, like, Alfred is, like, passive-aggressively, at least how I read it, talking to Bruce, almost as a means of, like, saying, Get your pompous ass over here and decorate this tree, Bruce! I'm, like, 70 years old, and I can't do it on my own! <laughs> <laughs> I said before that I don't want to bury another Wayne, but you are tempting me, twat! <laughs> Have you guys said it aged
2: well? Or would you say it aged like poor milk?
1: Mmm. Mm.
0: I think in some areas it has, but some of the effects not so much. Like, uh, Star Wars This Is Not. Uh, Some of the um, compositing stuff, especially uh, towards the end, where Batman and uh, Vicky are hanging off the side of the cathedral. There were actually a couple times, I don't know if you noticed this at all, but because of the compositing stuff, uh, Joker's very obviously bright purple jacket turns into red. Uh, I thought that was kind of distracting, and I'm surprised that when they re-released it years later, they didn't touch that up at all. like you know, color corrected or anything like that, especially with nowadays technology., uh, and I thought some of the shots with the bat plane were a little um distracting.
1: You mean like that shot where he flies straight up into the air?
0: <laughs> well, see, the the, the the moon shot was cool, and I think that's okay. It's just a lot of the shots with it flying like between the buildings. You can tell, okay, first off, that's a model. And second yeah. of all, it just, I don't know, it sticks out. Especially some of the cockpit shots where Batman's in the plane. I'm just like, Ugh, that doesn't quite hold up. I do uh, like how much of it's practical, though. Oh, yeah, a lot of it is practical. And uh, I I do appreciate that. And in a lot of the other cases, aside from the compositing stuff, I think it works out pretty damn well. Um, I think some of the best shots are when Batman is uh, dropping through, like, a, a rooftop window or something like that, and he just uses his cape and stuff like that. It's very cool, you know, visual stuff. And I think a lot of his gadgets are portrayed well and i'm not gonna lie maybe you guys might disagree with me but this is my favorite batmobile the batmobile is fantastic in this movie and sure it might look a little cartoonish but god damn i look at that and i'm like oh yeah that
1: that's yes that's the batmobile right there but it there's actually no Hole i just thought of right people think he's like some supernatural being and then He hits us with that Batmobile and the Batplane, back-to-back, no explanation. Mm Mm-hmm, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, it leaves a little bit, you know, to your suspension of disbelief, just a little bit, and I think maybe that's where it doesn't quite hold up, but... Oh, you know, there is one last bit that I was kind of hoping would be a bit better... And um, I can say, in some regards, it's better in Batman Returns, but even then, it's a little wonky. I don't think Tim Burton gives a shit about action, because some of the, like, fisticuffs and choreography in this weren't that great either. I mean, they were serviceable, but... I don't know, There, there, there were a couple other movies at the time that had better action that I'm surprised this just... It's a little wonky in areas. Like, did you guys happen to feel the same way about the action? Because obviously nowadays it's way better because standards for choreography have improved, but I don't know. There's a couple movies that still hold up around this time period when Batman came out that, you know, they were good.
1: Yeah, I think those movies tend to be a bit more focused on the action itself, though. Like, that's part of the reason you go and see them. Oh, that's true. And I mean,
0: when you really do think about it, that this movie is about the the mystery of the Joker and all the different things unfolding, and it's more of like a uh, almost like a crime drama, especially yeah. with how it plays up a, a neo noir uh, vibe with its like lighting and stuff like that. Which, hey, I really like that too. Adds to the uh, the charm of the film. And what also kind of added to that that I didn't notice until nowadays. The sound design for the movie, it uses very, very, very old-sounding sound effects. Like, very, like, vintage-sounding, like, gun ricochets and stuff like
1: that. Like, pew, pew! The the classic ricochet gun.
0: Oh, of course. All over the place. Uh, the the explosions, too, sounded very, like, 70s or 60s sound asset vibes. I think, in a way, it, it, uh adds to the whole thing of, like, Gotham still very clearly has, like, an old-timey vibe to it. Uh, So maybe that's why they went with the sound design aspect. Well, I do have to ask, what do you guys think overall um, some of the later movies do better than this one? Because there's many things that I think this one does better than the later ones, but I think there's a bit to be said about what later ones sort of do
1: better. I'd say they do a bit better with humanization of certain characters.
0: Yeah, I'd have to agree.
2: I guess you could say they're a bit more focused in their vision in terms of how dark they want it to be.
0: I could see that too, yeah.
2: I mean, that's that's the main thing. They they should really focus on the darkness for better and for worse.
0: I guess it is also kind of difficult to answer that kind of question because it almost seems like... Whereas Spider-Man has been very consistent, Batman not so much. So it almost seems like there's a different Batman movie for every fan of Batman. Like, some people like the more neo-noir aspect of Batman, and so I could see them liking not only this one, but also THE Batman, given that that very much taps into that too. Yeah, I don't know if it's so much that later ones do better stuff i think they just take the character in different directions but like i was saying uh i did watch batman returns which had michelle pfeiffer as catwoman and danny devito as the penguin and i will say if you were sort of apprehensive about this one the second one might be more of your cup of tea First off, the second one is way more Tim Burton than this Tim Burton movie was, uh, and that's because he had a lot of creative freedom, uh, which may be a bit of a detriment because it gets crazy at certain points, but it's also fascinating because of that. The action is, I, I want to say, better. You know, I, I think later movies do a better job, but it, it, it certainly kept my attention more, and I'm like, ooh, that's... Mm, mm, hmm, okay. So I would say, uh, as an extension of my own recommendation, not only watch this one, but watch Batman Returns as well. Because, I don't know, most people say that the second one is worse. I actually think Returns is ever so slightly better. The only problem is that if you had an issue with some of the plot holes uh, in this movie, which also... One that I was kind of annoyed by was, why is it that none of the cops of Gotham City are stopping Joker from having a literal parade in the middle
1: of fucking Gotham? (laughs) Because he has money. He has 20 million... Wait, hold on. Where did he get 20 million dollars from? I don't know! (laughs) And see, that's the other problem, because,
0: like, the second one has plot holes like that. There's a really big one where the Penguin just gets the blueprints for the Batmobile and hotwires it and, you know, hijacks it to have the Batmobile just drive through Wrecking Havoc and Gotham streets. And you're just supposed to accept that, even though at no point did he ever have a moment where he got that? So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I-, I guess it's just the fact that some of Tim Burton's scripts sort of fall apart in areas.
1: Yeah, maybe he got the money from some... S- sponsorship with prince or something i don't know
0: yeah (laughs) oh that's another thing this movie really transformed movie marketing like dear lord the toys the music the Mm -hmm. like uh restaurant tie-ins and stuff like that dear god especially with coke oddly enough there was just stuff all over the place with that
1: wait ian we've gone full circle i just realized this with weird tie-ins bat popcorn vessel Oh, no! (laughs) By God. But no, I would
0: recommend not only this movie, but Batman Returns as well. I think they are unique Batman tales, and frankly, I'd like a return to form with these. Mm -hmm. I'd like a return to this sort of style, but combined with some of the stuff that the newer movies have done, for one thing, better action, uh, better effects... Perhaps better storytelling in certain areas, because some of the later ones, some of them have plot holes, but I think these ones are a little more egregious, and I think that's what really keeps me from saying, I love this movie, I appreciate it, I like it, and I'll probably watch it again someday, multiple times probably, but, eh, I think as a first start, it's solid, but flawed. Yeah. What about you guys?
2: I'd say I'd recommend it. I think it's a very solid Batman movie and kind of gives you a bit more context to where it all started.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I'd say it's alright. I mean, if you're a fan of old movies, you'll like it, but the best I can put it is just, eh. It doesn't have the things that I normally like in movies. And I can see where some people would like it.
0: I getcha. And like I said, there's a Batman movie for everybody because of just how... Differently, certain filmmakers take the character and stuff. So, if this one doesn't do it for you, one of the other ones probably do.
1: Mine is Mm -hmm. the peg credit card.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yours is Batman, Robin. Oh, God.
1: (laughs) It just... It cracks me up too much for it not to Hey, be-
0: you know, I appreciate that one in particular a little more, but I can also see why some people were a little pissed when that came out, because that was just after the previous movies, and I don't think they were ready to go that direction.
1: No, that's what's so good about it, is it catches me off guard every time. <laughs> well, hey, with that, we of
0: course need to wrap up. But before we do, Harrison... It is your turn to recommend the next movie for discussion.
1: We're going to go in a complete opposite direction now, Ian. I, I've come to realize this. i going to go to a much less live-action movie and go into animated. Oh, lovely. Okay. I'm choosing Song of the Sea, a lovely uh, Irish-Scottish movie. Ooh, interesting. I tried to watch it once with my niece. She got bored and walked off, so I never actually finished it. Interesting. But it's a really, really pretty
0: looking movie. Got you. I'm excited. Taps into my dual heritage of Irish and Scottish. You could say it's Skyrish. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. All here we are. Well, with that, we will catch you on the flip side, everybody. Catch you later. Adios. Farewell.